0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. Thank y'all for joining me. So in this episode, I will preview the Round Rock Classic as LSU travels to the Austin area to take on Kansas State, Iowa, and Sam Houston. I will give you my three keys for the weekend, the get right, stay right list, and finally, the SEC rundown as I give you a couple of key SEC non-conference matchups that I'll be paying attention to. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of the content throughout the season. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Make sure to follow me. Hit that notifications bell as well. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the 18-4 to 4 LSU victory over Southern on Tuesday. Of course, if you missed that episode, which is understandable, it was Fat Tuesday. I get it. It is linked on the Twitter account in podcast and YouTube versions. So let's get into it. First up, the Friday afternoon matchup versus Kansas State. LSU plays those guys at 2 p.m. LSU comes into this matchup at 4-0. At the time of this recording, Kansas State is also 4-0 with the game tonight versus Lamar. Kansas State is on a crazy eight-game, 10-day road trip to begin the year. They played last weekend. They played four versus Stephen F. Austin. They're playing tonight versus Lamar. Then this weekend, they will play three in Austin. Then they hit the road back up in Omaha for one game before they head back home to Manhattan, Kansas. Now, look, this is a very limited sample size, but take it for what it's worth as it concerns all the teams up to this point as I throw you all some statistics. So, so far in 2023, LSU is hitting 330 with seven home runs, and they have more walks than strikeouts. The pitching staff for the Tigers has a 2.38 team ERA, only allowing opponents to hit 152, and they have issued 11 walks to 46 Ks. So phenomenal job by those pitchers early in the year. As far as fielding, it's perfect. The Tigers have not committed an error through four games in this very young season. When you look at Kansas State, They're hitting 289 as a team with 10 home runs already as they put up a bunch of runs versus Stephen F. Austin this past weekend. The pitching staff, they have a 5.0 team ERA. They have thrown 36 innings pitched. They have given up 41 hits, which is a lot, and that's good for a 301 batting average against. When you look at the fielding by the Wildcats, they're not off to a great start. They have six errors in four games, which comes out to a 961 fielding percentage. Now, if we take a look, take a look back in 2022, Kansas State went 29 and 29, and 8 and 16 in Big 12 play. They hit 277 as a team, which was good for fifth out of the nine teams in the conference. They did hit 84 home runs though, which was good for third. Besides that, they were a very average hitting team, ranking in the middle categories anywhere from six to nine in most of those categories. Pitching. They had a very high team ERA of 5.84, which was good for seventh out of nine teams in the conference, so second to last. They led the conference in walks issued, and then once again, they were middle of the road in terms of the rest of the pitching stats. Fielding, they were the worst team in the Big 12. They led the conference in errors, and their fielding percentage was dead last. So very average hitting team, not a great pitching staff, and they couldn't field the ball, which led them to have an 8-16 and record in Big 12 play. For 2023, Kansas State is predicted to finish 7th in the Big 12. In terms of all-conference selections, they have a unanimous preseason all-conference Big 12 selection in shortstop Nick Goodwin. I'm just going to do this for all these teams. Since it is three different teams, I'll just highlight three or four hitters that you should watch out for and who I think will pitch against the Tigers on that specific day. So when we look at the Kansas State hitters, Three returners that hit at the top of the order, and they've gotten off to a really good start in 2023. So these guys are going to hit 3, 4, and 5, somewhere in the middle of that order. As I mentioned, the preseason Big 12 selection shortstop Nick Goodwin. Last year, he hit 11 home runs, and he led the team with 48 RBIs. In 2023, in four games, he's off to a great start. He's hitting 313 with one bomb and five RBIs. Cole Culpepper, he hit 283 with five home runs in 2022. And so far in four games this year, he already has two home runs and 10 RBIs. So he's off to a flying start for Culpepper, and he's hitting 333 in this young season. Outfielder Cole Johnson, he hit 292 with seven home runs in 2022. And once again, to start this season, he's already exceeded – oh, excuse me. He's hit three home runs and 11 RBIs. So that's a massive start for that young man. And then finally, leadoff hitter – Brendan Jones, who's hitting four twelve this year. So right there you have four hitters. LSU's in circle. Highlight, if you want to pay attention to the game this weekend, look out for Goodwin, Culpepper, Johnson, and then leadoff hitter Jones. In terms of who I think LSU will face, I would imagine they will expect to see right-handed pitcher Owen Barima. He started last Friday versus Stephen F. Austin. He went three innings pitched, five hits, five runs, five earned, three walks, and only four Ks. Out of the pen, I think there's really two main guys that LSU could see Friday afternoon, and that is Blake Corsentino and Ty Rule. So in 2022, both of these guys had over 20 appearances, which were tops on the team. So very reliable bullpen arms for the Wildcats last year, and I expect they will be in 2023. And both Corsentino and Rule are right-handed pitchers. So I'd imagine LSU, what well, little I know about Kansas State, I would think they're going to see a couple of right-handed pitchers friday afternoon all right putting the wildcats in the rear view moving on to the hawkeyes iowa out of the big 10 Iowa will be the visiting team as they take on lsu at noon on saturday so a very early start i know saturday is going to be crazy with kids activities and whatnot but this i think is going to be the best matchup of the weekend for the tigers iowa comes into this game three and zero. now you thought Kansas State may have had a crazy start to their season. Listen to this. The Hawkeyes are definitely racking up the frequent flyer miles. They started the season in South Florida at the Snowbird Classic where they went 3-0. So they played Indiana State and Quinnipiac. You may have heard of them from March Madness or those political polls. Yes, they have a baseball team. I can't imagine they're very good. It's Iowa swept through that uh, tournament very easily. So after South Florida, Iowa headed back to Iowa City. Now they travel to Austin this weekend. After Austin, they head back home. Then they travel to Mobile to play in a little bit of a tournament where they'll actually face Southern, South Alabama, and another team. Then they will travel back to Iowa City and take another trip to the state of Texas as they head out to Lubbock to face Texas Tech for a three-game set. So just trying to find a way to get out of the cold up there in Iowa City for the Hawkeyes. In terms of the Big Ten predictions this year for Iowa, they are picked to finish third in the conference this year. They have a couple of all-conference selections. The first one is Big Ten Freshman of the Year from 2022, Keaton Anthony. He pitches a little bit, but he is mainly a hitter. And he is also a preseason second-team All-American. The predicted pitcher for Saturday that LSU will face is right-handed pitcher Brody Breck. He is a preseason third-team All-American for the Hawkeyes. Also, right-handed pitcher Will Christofferson is a preseason All-Big Ten selection as well. So Keaton Anthony, the hitter; Brody Breck, the pitcher, and then a reliever, Will Christofferson, are getting a lot of recognition for Iowa in 2023. Now, going back to 2022, Iowa had a very good year. They went 36 and 19 on the year. They went 17 and seven in Big Ten conference play, which actually tied them for second. Now, in Big Ten conference play, I do want to remind you there's actually 13 teams that have a baseball program. So second out of 13. As a team, they hit 277, which was good for eighth best in the conference. And we look at the rest of their hitting statistics. They were very average, middle-of-the-pack team, anywhere from six to eight in all those categories, hits, doubles, runs, all those things, runs scored. They did have the third most strikeouts in the conference, so that was really the only thing that stuck out. But one thing they hung their hat on in 2022 was their pitching. Their pitching in Big Ten was absolutely phenomenal. They led the conference in almost every pitching category imaginable. First in Team ERA at 3.71, their staff had a 210 batting average against. Outstanding. As a staff, they also had nearly a 3-to-1 strikeout strike to walk ratio. So just a great job by the Hawkeyes this year, and it looks like they're picking up the pace once again in 2023. In terms of fielding, very average, a 974 fielding percentage, which was fourth in the Big Ten, and they committed the fifth most errors. So have they – Turn the calendar towards 2023. How have the Hawkeyes start off this year? They're hitting 306 as a team with four home runs. The pitching staff off to a good start, as I mentioned. But once again, I think you have to look at their competition. I don't think Indiana State and Quinnipiac are going to threaten to make a regional anytime soon. The pitching staff has a 0.96 team ERA. and In 28 innings pitched. they have allowed 16 hits, 9 walks, and 35 Ks, which is good for a 170 BA against. In terms of fielding, the Hawkeyes have only committed one error in 2023, which is good for a 991 fielding percentage. Now, they got a couple of key returners, but I really think the focus this weekend for LSU, and the fans should be on Brody Brecht. I will get to him in a second. Let's look at the hitters. First guy you got to worry about is Keaton Anthony, two-way player, Big Ten freshman of the year, freshman All-American last year, and they actually filled up his stat line for 2022. This is crazy for a freshman. He hit 361, 22 doubles, 14 home runs, 55 RBIs for Keaton Anthony. In 2023, he is hitting 300 with one home run. That is a guy in the scouting report and in the team meetings circle highlight, do not let that guy beat you. Other Iowa hitters to look out for, Kyle Huckstorf, 455 with one home run and 6 RBIs in 2023, so a fast start for that young man. And in 2022, he hit 284 with five home runs. So he looks like he's well on pace to break his home run record from 2022. Sam Peterson, off to a good start as well, 364 with one home run in the 2023 campaign. Last year, 264 and six home runs. They got a transfer from Wofford. His name is Brennan Derigi. He's hitting 400 this year with one bomb. And then finally, Braden Frazier. Who's leading the team with a 667 batting average. He already has two doubles and five RBIs. He was a part-time starter last year. So that's really the top four guys in the order. Frazier's going to lead off. I imagine Anthony's going to bat third or fourth. Then you got to look out for Huxdorf, Peterson, and the Wofford transfer to Rigi. But to me, the guy that sticks out really is Keaton Anthony. When you look at pitchers, it seems like Iowa has their own version of Paul Skeens. I imagine LSU is going to be facing Brody Brecht. So in 2022, Brecht really came out of the pen. He had a 3.18 ERA, a 1-4 in four record, 17 appearances, but only one game started in 2022. He threw 22 innings pitched, 25 walks, which is massive, but he also had 44 Ks to go along with it. So more, roughly 2 Ks per innings pitched, which is great. But look at that walk ratio. So I wonder if that's something you will be able to exploit. Last week, he did hit 100 miles an hour in his start. And he is the top-ranked Big Ten draft prospect for the 2024 Major League Baseball draft. I believe he also plays football, like a wide receiver on the football field. So he's about 6'4", 220 from what I could tell. Last weekend was actually his only his second start ever, and that is the longest he went. So last weekend, he went five innings, no hits. 10 k's in his outing so my question is when you look back at 2022 does he have the tendency to get wild does he have the ability to hold up for another five innings versus lsu will lsu take a different approach to where they try to make him throw a lot of pitches if he's a strikeout guy like Skeens? so i can't wait to see this matchup i would imagine he's going to be matching up with cooper but jay johnson hasn't released the pitching rotation for this weekend yet and I just wonder what kind of a uh, game plan they're going to have against Brody Breck, as it should be a phenomenal matchup against Iowa. Two key relievers that LSU may see is left-handed pitcher Jared Simpson. So just imagine facing 100 from the right. Then you face a lefty. Completely different arm angle, obviously. And just some different stuff for the hitters to look out for. And then right-handed pitcher, who is a preseason all-big Ten selection and Will Christofferson. Both of these guys, Simpson and Christofferson, had 13 appearances last year in 2022. So I'd imagine if they start with Breck and they bring in a lefty, LSU does have a deep bench with a lot of hitters that Jay Johnson can flip around from right to left and bring in some subs off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match versus Iowa on Saturday. And then finally, LSU's opponent on Sunday, Sam Houston will be the home team as they take on LSU. And LSU unfortunately plays the late game on Sunday. They will start at four o'clock in Round Rock. For the Bearcats, they come into the game three and one. They took two of three from Rhode Island as those guys traveled all the way down south to get out of that cold weather on the weekend. Sam Houston actually put up 23 runs in the finale against Rhode Island, and then they beat McNeese 18 to six on Tuesday. So massive runs amount in back to back games, putting up 23 and then 18 against the Cowboys from Lake Charles. When you look at Sam Houston in 2022. They went 31 and 25, a fabulous conference record. As they went 21 and 9, so they used to be in the Southland Conference. They have now moved to the WAC, and the WAC is divided up into East and West divisions. So, with the 21 and 9 conference record, Sam Houston finished first in the Western Division of the WAC last year, and actually second overall in the conference. The big stud in that conference is Grand Canyon, who is a top 25 team and knocks on the door of getting in a regional every year. Grand Canyon is located right outside of Phoenix. In terms of the predictions this year for Sam Houston, they are predicted to finish second in the conference again for 2023. And we look at their all conference selections. It is outfielder Carlos Contreras, who is the preseason player of the year in the WAC. And I will get into him a little bit later. A very exciting hitter that LSU fans should look out for, for the Bearcats. Looking back in 2022, Sam Houston hit 306, which is good for third in their conference. And we look at the rest of the hitting categories. As y'all know, doubles, home runs, hits, RBIs. They were in the top four, except for home runs. So I don't know the dimensions of their ballpark, but they were third to last in terms of hitting home runs. Pitching, once again, top five in all the conference categories. They had a team ERA of 5.22 with a pretty high 291 batting average against for that pitching staff. Fielding, not great. A little bit below average and 967 fielding percentage so how are they doing in 2023 they're hitting at a 350 clip with nine home runs at a 615 slugging percentage as you can imagine that thing's going to get jacked up when you score 23 and 18 runs back to back their pitching staff has a high 5.75 era with 11 walks 41 k's and 36 innings pitched they have given up 39 hits which is not good bodes well for the lsu hitters and that is a 273 batting average against. In terms of fielding, not off to a great start for the Bearcats. Five errors in four games, 963 fielding percentage. So they can swing it, their pitching staff seems suspect, and they may be able to kick it around when they play LSU on Sunday. I will tell you this they have some guys that can absolutely swing it when you look at their lineup. So it will be interesting to see if Jay Johnson starts to Chase Shores again on Sunday. Hopefully, he can have a bounce-back appearance uh, from his outing last week where he was just a little erratic with his control. But their hitters, look, it begins and ends with the preseason player of the year and outfielder Carlos Contreras. Now, look, he didn't start the three-game series that they played against Rhode Island, but he did play against McNeese. So I don't know if he was nursing an injury. I tried to look for some articles. I couldn't find any information on it. But last year, his numbers were absolutely disgusting. And to be honest, any team in the country would want to have this guy on their team. In 2022, Contreras was the WAC player of the year. He was a Golden Spikes semifinalist. All he did was hit 400, 14 home runs, 18 doubles, a 713 slugging percentage, second in the nation with 89 RBIs, and 20th in the country with 92 hits. I don't care what conference you play in. That is amazing numbers. In 2023, he is a preseason All-American, and as I've mentioned twice before, preseason WAC player of the year. Against McNeese, he went two for three with two walks. And to me, I am not going to let this guy beat me. I don't care if he's hitting the three-hole, the four-hole. He is not going to beat me by himself. I'm not going to let him drive in three or four runs, hit a couple of doubles. And just when you look back at the box score, I've said, man, if we could have handled Contreras, we would have won this game. Other guys that are gonna surround Contreras in the lineup are Clayton Chadwick. He's off to a fast start in 2023. He's hitting 385. He already has three home runs and five RBIs. And he only hit three home runs in 2022. So a heck of an offseason program for that young man. So he's already matched his home run total. So Chadwick is off to a flying start. They also have Walker Janik. Who's hitting 385 with two home runs and five RBIs? In 2022, he hit 308 with seven home runs and 33 RBIs. So, once again, Janik, I would imagine in a couple weeks, has the potential to match his home run total from 2022 as well. So, you see a lot of pop in the Sam Houston lineup. Uh, Lane Brewster, once again, he's hitting 313 with three home runs already and nine RBIs, and he only hit one home run last year. That's a hell of a weight program they got down there and Bearcat Territory. And then finally, Easton Lloyd, who's hitting 400 with eight RBIs. So as you can see, you've got Contreras, Clayton Chadwick, Walter Janick, Lane Brewster, and Easton Lloyd. I doubt you're going to remember these names, but don't be surprised if on Sunday this thing turns out to be 11-5, 10-7, you know, 8-4, to 4, some type of game to where there's balls flying all over the park because these guys can swing it. In terms of pitchers, this is just a shot in the dark. I think LSU is going to face right-handed pitcher Logan Hewitt. Last weekend, he went six innings pitched, four hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, and six Ks. In 2022, Logan Hewitt was 3-2 with a 5.85 ERA in 19 appearances and only two games started for Mr. Hewitt. 40 innings pitched and 56 hits, which is not great. That's good for a 322 batting average against. So it'll be interesting to see who LSU rolls out on Sunday and then who Sam Houston counters with as well. So what are my three keys to the weekend for the Tigers? One, starting pitching. I think this is going to be the key on Saturday and Sunday with who I predict Cooper is going to go up against Breck from Iowa, and I look for Chase Shores to pinch on Sunday and bounce back and have a better outing against a very potent Sam Houston lineup. I look for the starters to get into and hopefully through the fifth inning, possibly start the sixth, and hopefully save that bullpen from long outings. Even though there's plenty of arms and there's a lot of depth down there, I would hate to see those guys taxed on back-to-back days because I think Skeens is going to deal on Friday, and he's going to handle his business against Kansas State. My second key to the weekend, timely hitting. LSU must continue to do a great job of hitting with runners in scoring position. So far in 2023, LSU is 15 out of 42 ABs, which is good for a 3.57 average with runners in scoring position. And look, if you want to impress your friends, your family, other LSU baseball fanatics that you know, here is a gold-plated money stat of the weekend. LSU is 12 of 13, hitting with a runner on third with less than two outs. Just an amazing job by the Tigers. Great job by Jay Johnson and his staff, getting those guys to focus that when they have a runner on third, less than two outs, however they get him in, their job is to drive him in, bottom line. A ground ball to shortstop, a sack fly, uh, the bases are loaded, hit by pitch, draw, a walk, whatever it takes. Those guys have gotten a hit 12 out of 13 times when that situation has occurred. That's your gold-plated money stat for the Round Rock Weekend. Now, timely hitting is always important, but I feel the game versus Iowa is going to be very close, and possibly a one or two run game, so the little things are really going to matter. I also won't be surprised if Sunday, as I told y'all previously, turns into a bit of a shootout. Therefore, taking advantage of every scoring opportunity is going to be important as well. The third key to the weekend, for me, is the bottom of the order. I think one through six are going to do their job. There's plenty of pop-up there, plenty of experience. But to me, I'm really focused on 7 through 9. So we've seen different combinations of people at the bottom of the order, and the most likely candidates are Neil Thompson, Napolt, or you may even see Paxton Kling down there as well. It's important for these guys to do the little things, as we've talked about. Move runners, hit sack flies, sack bunt if they need to, take a 3-2 walk. Anything they can do to roll the lineup over And get guys like Cruz, Joe Bear, Morgan, Jones, Dugas, wherever he's slotted, more ABs. And once again, if these games are very tight, I think the bottom of the order is going to play a key role in that. So once again, the three keys to the weekend, starting pitching, timely hitting, and the bottom of the order specifically 7 through 9. All right, let's do it. Here we go. The get right, stay right list for the Round Rock weekend. All right, baby. Get right. Now it's early, but my guy, Ben Napole he's had a rough one. He's 0 for 10 so far this season, but he's absolutely stinging the ball and had bad luck. He's hitting a lot of Adam balls right at people where they don't have to move in the outfield. He's a veteran player, and the balls are going to drop eventually, but I would love to see him break out and have a little bit of a good run this weekend and see him get back on track. Josh Pearson is also on my get-right list. He's one of eight so far this year. And he's been struggling a little bit early on. You saw that in some of the spring scrimmages. I would like to see him get going at the top of the lineup, which is where he usually slots in as well. He just brings a ton um, of experience and a lot of wealth to the top of the lineup, especially if he's batting in front of Dylan Cruz. Pearson has home run power. He does have to do a good job of battling in some at-bats and he has the ability to see a lot of pitches. So he's a true table setter. So for me, get right. Napol and Pearson. Now, who needs to stay right? Riley Cooper. To me, he was a little bit of the surprise starter last weekend versus Western Michigan, but he was absolutely dominant in his five and one-third innings. I think he potentially has the toughest matchup going up against Breck from Iowa, and that could be a pitcher's duel very early on as LSU looks to figure him out. I think Cooper needs to show the same consistency and the same ability to mix speeds as he did last weekend and pound the strike zone. Remember, he has three to four pitches for strikes now. He likes to come at hitters and keep that fastball low in the zone. He's going to be anywhere from 89 to 92 with the slider and the changeup as well. So, Raleigh Cooper, let's stay right in Round Rock. Another stay right candidate is the bullpen. Through the first four games of 2023, this is what the bullpen has done for Ellis Chute. 17 and one-third innings pitched. Six hits. That's amazing. Four runs, four earned. Three walks and 17 and a third. Outstanding job. To go along with those three walks, 22 Ks. The bullpen has absolutely smashed it. They have been lights out, and I'm sure they're going to be called, called upon again this weekend to deliver in key situations. We have seen Christian Little get off to a fabulous start in the purple and gold. Ty Floyd was dominant last weekend, in addition to Nate Ackenhausen. I think Bryce Collins gets back to his reliable self, and I think somebody else is going to step up, such as Garrett Edwards or possibly freshman left-handed pitcher Griffin Herring, who threw a little bit versus Southern on Tuesday. Also waiting to see freshman right-handed pitcher Aiden Moffitt, so keep your eyes out for him. The last candidate for stay right is the defense. Phenomenal. They can't get any better because they haven't messed up yet. Zero errors on the season so far. Hopefully they can keep that rolling. If they could limit it to one or two for the entire weekend, I think LSU every LSU fan will take that right here and now. So to review, get right. Napoleon Pearson, stay right. Cooper, the bullpen, and then the defense. So what's my prediction for the Round Rock Classic? I think LSU sweeps this weekend. I think they beat Kansas State pretty easily. While they do have a couple of good hitters in the middle of that lineup, And they have started off the season hot. I think Paul Skeens will dominate once again. I think their fielding and their pitching leave a lot to be desired, and the bats are going to get going for the Tigers. The closest game of the weekend for me will be Iowa. Look, Iowa didn't hit great last season, and Keaton Anthony is very good. But besides him, nobody really scares me, and they haven't really played anybody this weekend. You can't say a lot for Western Michigan either, but I can't imagine Indiana State and Quinnipiac or uh, great historical programs. I think LSU is going to have a challenge in solving Brady Breck early on, and his velocity is going to cause him some problems. Look, even though they face schemes in the fall and spring, facing somebody else that throws 97 to 100 is still a challenge, even though LSU's got an absolutely loaded lineup. I also wonder if they can wear him down, get his pitch count up, foul off a lot of pitches. I have no idea how good his breaking stuff is, you know, and if that's not going for a strike, can LSU just sit mainly on fastballs? I do think this game is going to be close. LSU may not scratch a run until the 5th or 6th, till Breck's out of the game or something crazy happens, and it's going to be important if Riley Cooper does start the Saturday game that he's able to go frame for frame with Breck, and I think he has the ability to do that. And then finally, I think LSU is going to beat Sam Houston on Sunday. I think the LSU hitters will have their way with whoever the Sunday arm is for the Bearcats, I'm also interested to see if Chase Shores does start that Sunday game, how he bounces back, and who's available in the pen on Sunday that can back him up. I would not be surprised to see Ty Floyd get held until Sunday in case Chase Shores falters early on, much like they did last weekend. It was Dutton and Floyd backing him up. Because you know Floyd can start, obviously. So if Chase Shores struggles early in that tough lineup, with Contreras for Sam Houston has given him problems. You may see the veteran Floyd come in and he can get you three or four innings and kind of settle that game down and let LSU's hitters do what they do. Finally, a new segment that we're going to introduce here on 60 feet, six inches LSU pod. I did it in the Southern review podcast. I kind of went over the sec rundown for this past weekend. Now doing these preview pods, I want to give you all an SEC rundown, kind of some non-conference series that I'm going to be out on the lookout for. And they have some really good ones this weekend. So Alabama actually travels out to Malibu to take on Pepperdine. I heard that is probably the most gorgeous scenery for baseball in the country is that their field overlooks the Pacific Ocean. So hats off to the tide. I think Alabama's going to take two out of three from the wave. Mississippi State hosts Arizona State at the dude. And I think that atmosphere is going to be jumping. And it's going to be a shock to the Sun Devils. I've been to their park. They're used to playing in front of like 750, maybe 2,000 fans out there in Tempe. And I think Mississippi State takes two out of three from the visiting Sun Devils. Auburn going to hop on that plane and travel out west as they take on USC. And I think Auburn's going to take two from the Trojans. And finally, to me, the two marquee series of the weekend. 13th ranked Maryland travels to Oxford to take on number four Ole Miss and in my opinion I think Maryland takes two out of three from the Rebels. For those that do not remember Maryland was a regional team last year they are predicted to win the Big Ten this year in 2023 and they hit like 135 home runs as a team last year which is like top five in the country and news has come out that Ole Miss ace Hunter Elliott will not pitch this weekend so that's a blow to the Rebels. So I think Maryland goes in there, gets it done, surprises the Rebs and hotty toddy, and they take two out of three in Oxford. And then finally, another very cool matchup, UCLA travels east to Nashville as they take out Vanderbilt. And if you've listened to the pod, you all know I am down on Vanderbilt this year. I think they have a good pitching staff. And I know they hit the ball in the college baseball showdown, and they put some runs up, but they lost their midweek matchup to Central Arkansas. And I think over the long haul against very good teams with very good pitching staffs, which is what UCLA has, I think Vanderbilt's going to struggle from the hitting perspective. So I think UCLA traveling out east to Nashville, they have a very young and talented team, one of the top pitchers in the country and Alonzo Treadwell. I think the Bruins take two out of three from the doors. So that's going to do it for this week's preview of the Round Rock Classic as LSU takes on Kansas State, Iowa, and Sam Houston. Thank y'all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed me breaking down each one of those teams and giving you some key players to look out for. As a reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow me on Twitter. Once again, the Twitter account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Hit that notifications bell. I'm going to be tweeting all weekend. I'm going to get the live stream from D1 Baseball. Yes, I'm going to take the hit, pay the money so I can see the Tigers play. As always, this podcast will be available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. Next up, on deck for the pod, the Round Rock review episode. So until next time, y'all stay safe, and as always, go Tigers.